0: Welcome to Lay Point Church. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for being here, for finding us. And, um, I, you know, some changes here today. They started construction here this past week. And um, we're excited about uh, what God is doing here, though. We're, we're making it through, and um, it's going to be great. Some of you, this is your first time with us, and you found us. We're glad that you came, and thank you for being here a guest with us. <clears throat> and, um,
1: um, Pastor Scott? Tom. Yes, um, I know that we're still in the midst of this series called Asking for a Friend. So I had another friend reach out to me. Yeah? And um, so construction has started. Okay, right. And there's some new walls that my friend didn't know were going to be there. And I'm just curious, how long do you think like a tuna fish sandwich will stay good like, do you think that'd be good on the other end of summer, as long as,
0: you know, there's a, a good t- airflow? A tuna fish sandwich. A tu- Tuna? Maybe First a- of all, it smells terrible to begin with. That's just my opinion, all right? My, so, my friend does but, not just make wine. It's in a wall right now. Tom, Tom. What, from what I heard,
1: I, can't, I, I don't know exactly.
0: Personally. Tom, would you
1: help here? Are my, you okay? With that sandwich? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you could cut oh, it in are half. Are we hiding and share with you food like. in a church building? This is a. Yeah, I, Tom, okay, just go on with your sermon. You just talk about the You day. just preach. Tom, have a seat. I'm praying for you. But we believe in tuna. Yes, the Lord is good. Yes. We just pray for his sandwich real quick for a second. Amen.
0: Oh, yes. Amen. Thank you, Tom. We continue in worship. Yeah, thank you for the interruption about Tuna fish, and that just really makes my stomach turn for now. but um, Well, anyway, construction's happening, and uh, for the next three months, we're going to have this entrance this way, and then when school gets back, we'll kind of have a different entrance, but we're so flexible. We've got a great group of people here, a lot of volunteers that came this morning to, to, to kind of roll with the punches. And um, made it happen. And so, why don't you give it up for all of our volunteers for just a minute. And like I said before I was interrupted, if you're new with us, and you were like, that was kind of weird about the tuna sandwich. Um, I, you know, but he's asking for a friend, right? Not for you, but you're asking for a friend. Uh, but if you're new here, we're glad that you're here. And uh, if you get a minute to take a card, you should have received one as you came in. And you're... Um, in your uh, program and um, just fill it out and at the end of our service we'll have an offering and the only thing we ask of you is for you to take that card and to fill it out and we'd like to give you a free gift and, um, and send you a, a card in the mail with a, a gift card to Starbucks for being our special guest here and thank you for coming also we have a gift as you leave so when you walk outside today I'll be out there under that tent and um, we will uh, love to meet you. We have a free gift we'd like to give you before you even leave the parking lot. And so, just thank you for coming today and being our guest. And, um, you know, today, um, right after service, we have a new members Discover Late Point class. And for those who are checking out Late Point and trying to figure out what the next step is, that's happening today in the, in the school library. And, um, there's a way to get there, but, you know, we'll figure it out. And, um, and, uh, but we are so excited about those who are signed up. If perhaps you're here and you haven't signed up and you want to come. You're welcome to come today. We've got more food than we, we always plan for more. So we'd love for you to come. So if you'd like to come today and um, be a part of that class, um, we'd love to have you with us. Well, today we are asking for a friend some questions. We've been asking in you know, a question um, starting last week. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? It's the only way to heaven. The only way to God is through Jesus. And last Sunday we talked about that question. And we hope we answered it. And today we want to answer the question, which is a very common question, one of the most common questions that I get as a pastor. I get this question, the question that I have asked, is probably the most asked question in the history of the world. And perhaps you've asked this or you know a friend who's asking. Maybe you know a friend who's asking the question. And it usually falls in one of these type of questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does God allow that to happen? We might say, why doesn't God seem fair? And I wonder in this room, how many of you would say, You've either asked that, or you know somebody who have asked that question. If that's, will you just raise your hand? I think most of us here in this room have asked that question, why? If you've ever asked that question, I don't want you to feel bad. That's not my goal, to make you feel bad for asking a question, because the truth is, people have been asking the question for years. From the, from the beginning of time, people have been asking this question You look at Abraham in the Bible. Abraham asked the question, should not the judge of the world judge fairly? Moses asked the question, God, why don't you treat your people as they deserve? Jeremiah has asked the question, why do the wicked prosper? Why are good things happening for them? It's not fair that bad people are getting risk and getting taken care of and the good people are not. David, over and over and over again in the book of Psalm, well, you, you just open up Psalm anywhere, and you see, you see David asking questions upon questions. God, why didn't you answer my prayers? Or, oh God, where are you? Or he might say, why don't you show yourself to me, God? Where are you? Why don't you deliver me, God? Why don't you seem fair? Why don't you seem fair? And I don't want to talk about that today. Now let me just say this, right up front, that if you think I'm going to give you three points and a poem at the end of the message, and you're going to be like, man, Scott, that nailed it for me. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Now let's go get lunch. I just want to say up front that that's probably not going to be the end all to the question. I'm probably here today not going to be able to answer clearly every question that is being asked. And by the way, there are smarter people than us. There are smarter people than me that have been asking the same question, been trying to answer the same question as well. So I don't want to get our hopes up today. But what I do want to do today is to point you to the one who can or to the one who one day will answer all of our questions. It's my prayer that as we seek the one that knows, that he will reveal to us the truth that God is absolutely, through and through, that God is good. He is good no matter what, no matter the circumstances. God is a good God, and he's in complete control. He is powerful. He is good. Which caused us, if God is so good, it causes us to ponder this question. Says, God, if, if, if God is all powerful, and he is so good, good, and so loving, then why does he allow the bad things to happen? Why can't God just let the consequences be on the person who commits the sin? Why does that person's sin have to affect everybody? Why, bad things, why can't God just stop it? God, why do you allow bad things in our lives, and yes, God could stop it. We believe that God is powerful. He is loving. It's true. God could stop it. But here is what I think is one of the biggest mistakes that Christians make: we pridefully act like we have all the answers. We pridefully act like we know the answer to the question why bad things happen to good people, why God doesn't seem fair. And the reality is that no one knows all the answers. The Bible gives us a lot of answers, but nobody knows all the answers. You see, God didn't call me as your pastor to be the all-knowing pastor. He called me to be that. God had called me to be the love and compassion of Jesus. And that's what God has called you. I've stood with many people at the greatest time of grief, tragedy. I've stood with parents who've lost a child. I've stood with spouse who've lost their spouse. Maybe a husband or a wife passed away. I've stood with many people at the deepest, darkest hours of their life. And I'm not the all-knowing Instrument. man. And I won't claim to be the all-knowing Instrument. man. In fact, I don't know all the answer to why. I've asked the question, God, why? Why bad things happen? But I do know this, that God is a loving God who is so good. He's called me not to be the answer man, but he's called me to be the love and compassion of Jesus. And that's what we do. That's why our pastors and our staff and our team and our ministry leaders and our team at our church, when they stand with someone who's hurting, they don't judge. They don't try to answer all the questions. We don't tell them answers. We just love them. We're here for them. In, in fact, when you see the word comfort, if you're taking note, the word comfort over and over in the New Testament, it literally means in the Greek to strengthen by being with. To strengthen by being with. That's the word comfort. It's not to by telling them everything that you think you should know about the Bible and, 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 and giving them a message. That's not what it's saying. Comfort is just being there. Just being there. Just being by, by, by someone who is hurting, who just needs a hug, a hug, some love, to feel your presence. They're not looking for all your answers. They're just looking for you just to be there, to comfort. And that's what God does. Because even if you knew all the answers to your question, it wouldn't comfort your soul. It wouldn't. Even if you knew all the answers, it wouldn't satisfy the deepest longing in your heart. I think about a man in the Bible named Job. Job had everything going for him. Job was one of the richest men in the world at the time. And behind the scenes, behind the scenes, God and Satan had a conversation. And God allows Satan to test Job. And Satan went after Job with everything he got. The only thing he couldn't do was kill him. He could not kill Job. But Satan did everything else, I mean just destroyed his family, destroyed his wealth, destroyed everything he had. And you see, you and I, we're behind the scenes. We know this. We know that Satan and God had a conversation, but Job never did. But as far as I know, Job never had his experience of being behind the scenes of having the why being answered. Of course, his friends, the Bible talks about it in Job. There were three friends that came along, and, and they tried to be the all-knowing answer guy. They tried to have all the answers for Job, and they said, Job, you must be sinning. Job, you must be doing something wrong. Job, God's not blessing your life. You're, you're, you're in sin. And they just started, you know, they started giving him some answers that were not necessarily true. And, and eventually... God had to remove those guys and got rid of those guys out of Job's life. And, and told Job he said, listen, I will heal your friends if, you, if Job prays for you guys. You know, if Job prays for you, then I will heal the, the disease that they put on your friends for telling lies, for pretending to know all the answers, for pretending to be God to Job. And so Job never knew the why. He never knew the why. So God doesn't always answer the why to what he does. In fact, it's probably the wrong question to ask. Because even if we knew the reason why, it would not comfort us. But here's what we need. We don't need all the answers. We just need the answer. Capital A. I don't know all the answers. And if you're looking for a pastor who knows all the answers to all your spiritual questions, then I'm going to say you're at the wrong church. I don't have all the answers. And if you ever find a church and the pastor claims he knows all the answers, then you're probably in the cold, okay? So just, just be careful, right? Just be careful. But I do know this. I know the answer. Jesus Christ. He is the answer. I don't have all the answers, but I do know the Bible has a lot of answers to why we go through suffering, but it tells us all the answers, it tells us some, but I can point us to the answer. I can point us to him for comfort and for restoration. I want to look at 1 Peter real quick as we open up into this. 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse number 12, are taking... Um, you got the verses on your handout, you got verses behind me. If you have your Bibles, you can look at 1 Peter four verse twelve. Peter said, Dear friends, do not be surprised. Do not be shocked at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. He said, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So he said right there, if you want to underline that phrase, do not be surprised at the painful trial. Right there in verse 12. In other words, don't be shocked when pain and suffering come into your life. That's part of life. That's how it goes. Everyone goes through it. Don't be surprised by it. Look at verse number 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will, you should underline that, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to the faithful creator and continue to do good. Suffer according to God's will. See, sometimes It's God's will for me to go through suffering. Sometimes it's God's will for me to go through pain. Sometimes God allows bad things and problems into my life, and it's just part of God's will. Some Christians, you know, they might say, oh, if you're going through a tough time, you know, you must be out of God's will. You know, if you're going through pain and suffering, you're doing something wrong. 'Cause God wants to bless you all the time. I mean God blessed twenty four seven, so if you're not being blessed by God, that means you're doing something sinful. You got something wrong with your life. And sometimes the Bible says, according to first Peter chapter four, verse nineteen, that we could be right in the middle of pain and suffering and still be in the middle in the center of God's will. Part of it. So we ask the question. Well, then why? Why? Why, God? Why? And what I want to do here for the rest of our time is when we're going through pain and suffering, I want it to change our question. Instead of asking God why, because we're not going to always get the answers that we're looking for, I want to train our thoughts that when we're going through pain and through suffering to ask these four questions. And I believe that if you can look through pain and suffering through these next four questions, that it will help you navigate pain and suffering that we will face in this life. So here's the first question that I hope that you will ask yourself when you're in pain, when you're in trial, when you're in suffering. Instead of asking God why bad things happen, ask the question number one, where is this problem leading me? Where is this problem taking me? God often used problems to point us in a new direction. Because problems never leave us where they found us. Look here in Second Corinthians. And just Second Corinthians is the second letter. That Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. The first letter was in 1 Corinthians, okay? He wrote this letter, it was a tough letter. Paul wrote this letter to the churches that he had helped started in the area of Corinth. And he had, when he had left there, he had heard about some sin that was going on in the church. I mean, there was some wickedness that was taking place that if they didn't deal with it, this church was going to eventually die because God's hand of blessing would be off of it. And so Paul wrote a very stern, tough letter in 1 Corinthians. And the church received that letter, and and the church responded well with that tough love letter. And so in 2 Corinthians, later on, Paul wrote another letter. And he refers to that first letter. He said in verse number 8, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it's painful to you for a little while. But he said now in verse 9, he said now I'm glad I sent it. Not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and to change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so you were not harmed by us in any way. You see, sometimes God uses problems to redirect us. We see many examples of this in the scripture over and over and over again. We see that. We see that in the life of Joseph. Joseph, remember the, the boy with a coat of many colors? He was sold out by his brothers who hated him. And and they sold him to a mercenary men that were on their way to Egypt. And so they took Joseph and they threw him in prison in Egypt. And he's living in obscurity for several years. Nobody knew he was addicted. In fact, Joseph's father thinks Joseph is dead. He's gone. And, And so there's grief, there's loss, there's a lot of pain. And there's Joseph trying to figure out, what am I doing here? What is going on? And eventually, years later, God elevates Joseph to the second highest in command in Egypt. And before you know it, he has this, you know, he's in charge of the, of the economy. Joseph is in charge of the agriculture. He's in charge of all the, the, the department of interior, making sure the people got food. He's in charge of all this. And one day, while he's serving his people in Egypt, He sees his brothers showing up. They're looking for food. And at first, they didn't recognize Joseph. They didn't see Joseph. Joseph was totally different now. It's been some time. And so they didn't recognize him. And uh, uh, long story short, they eventually discovered that this was Joseph, the one that they betrayed, the one that they sold to slavery, the one that they lied to their own dad that Joseph was dead, They recognized Joseph, and they were scared for their life. And Joseph, he says in Genesis chapter 50, right here at the end of the story, in verse number 19, Joseph said, Don't be afraid, guys. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. God wanted to redirect me. He had a different place for me to accomplish, but it's not being done, the saving of many lives. God used Joseph to save many people because if it wasn't for his plan, his agricultural plan, Egypt would have starved and a famine and all that region would have starved, but God used Joseph to save many people and to keep the Israel family, the Israel nation alive. God used Joseph in a place. And so we need to ask ourselves, A question, where is this problem leading me? Let me say this. There are people, just like Joseph's brothers, there are people in this world that intend to harm you. There are people in this thin, thick world who will stab you in the back, who will hurt you, who will intend to bring evil on you. But God can take that and turn it around and do it for good. He can turn it into good. God used problems to redirect me. I, I've, seen this. I've seen this here. I've seen stories where people say, Scott, five years ago, I've lost my job. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I thought, you know, Life was going to be done. I thought we were going to have to sell a house. I thought we were going to lose everything. And, and, and I didn't know what God was doing. And in that moment, I was asking God, why? But now who I am five years later, and I could look back, and I can see that God was taking me from a place to another place. He was redirecting my steps. And, and at the end of the day, It's a whole lot better than it was because God, I had to go through it, but God had a plan. God had a purpose. He was redirecting where I needed to go. Here's the second question we need to ask. What is this problem revealing about me? Instead of asking why, ask what is the problem revealing about who I am? You see, problems, don't change us as much as they expose us. Problems don't change us as much as they expose us. You see, whatever's inside of a tube of toothpaste, when you squeeze it, that is going to come out. That is going to come out. You see, a lot of us, when we're squeezed, when the pressure of life is coming out of us, and it is squeezing us. What comes out of you, what comes inside of you will come out, the real you. You might say, wow, I can't believe that happened. Man, this this, this season of life really squeezed me, and boy, that wasn't really me. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I lost my cool. That's not like me. I must be under a lot of stress. I must be under a lot of pressure because that's not me. But here's the fact of the matter is, yes, that is exactly you. That is exactly you because whatever is on on the inside, it's going to come out when you're under pressure, when I'm I'm under stress. It's going to reveal what's already there. So whatever you are under pressure, the real you, comes out. It comes out. I mean, we could all be wonderful people if we're on a tropical island 24-7, paid for for the rest of our lives, toes in the sand. Hey, I'm telling you, you're going to see a total different mean. You know, I mean, man, I'm relaxed. But that's not life. That's not reality. That's not what it is. So when the pressure is on in life, what really is inside to come out. So I want to ask myself, what is this really revealing about my character? The pain, and suffering, what is this really revealing about my faith in God? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is doing a message to the children of Israel. They have been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, and now they're about to walk into the promised land. And so, De- and Moses says in Deuteronomy 8, he says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. See, God really, he already knew what was in their heart, but he wanted them to see it. And they had to wander in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 years so that they could see what was in their heart, so that they could see the change that they need to make. God put them through that so that they could be exposed their weakness, and say, this is the area of my life, God, that I need to give more to you. My faith is weak. My character is weak. God shows me what is in my character. And if I admit it, I say, God, I want you to change me. God began to change my life. This trial I just went through, my best came out was not so hot. It's not so good. It was not what I want to be. But God, I want to be where you want me to be And you allow me to see that, so I know that I've got some growth to do in my life. So ask God, what is this revealing about me? Number three, here's the third question. Instead of asking God why bad things happen, ask the question, what is this problem teaching me? Sometimes you can only learn from being burned. Remember when you were a kid, your mom and dad said, don't touch the stove, it's hot. What do you do? You touch it. Ow! You, you learned how hard it was by doing it. You had to burn yourself in order to learn. It wasn't really smart, but that's what we did. Sometimes, you only learn the value of something by losing it. You learn the value of money by losing it. Go through the pain You learn the value of a relationship by losing it. Sometimes you only learn the value of something by losing it. Sometimes we only learn by being burned. When we get burned, we learn. Through the pain and the problem, God is teaching us. C.S. Lewis, he said pain is the greatest teacher. And that's so true. David said in Psalm 119, verse 71, he said, it was Good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decree, so that I might learn your word, that I might learn your precept, that I might learn what you're trying to teach me, God. It was good for me to go through the suffering and the pain, although I didn't like it in the moment. It was good for me that I learned from it. And the last question we need to ask, how is this problem growing me? How's the problem growing? Me? God's ultimate purpose through suffering is to grow us to maturity and to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. That's his ultimate purpose in pain and suffering, is to grow us in maturity to be more like Jesus. There's two things here. I'm not sure if it's on your hand after now, but there's two points here I want to make. We need to understand that there's a purpose in the middle of the pain. We need to understand that there's a purpose in the middle of trial and suffering and pain. And when bad things are happening, here's the second thought here, when bad things are happening... God is doing something in you. God is doing something inside of you. That's for sure. You can take it to the bank, baby. God is at work. He is doing something big enough. In, in fact, there's a very annoying verse, a very annoying Bible verse that when you're going through hard times, it's there. It's annoying, but it's true through and through. It's true all the way, man. There's no doubt about it. Look at James chapter 1, verse number 2. It's consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, he's talking to believers. He said, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. How annoying, but so true. He said, what does joy mean? See, joy doesn't mean happiness. He's not saying that you'll be happy in every circumstance. Joy is much deeper, more richer than happiness. Joy is knowing that, okay, I know that god got this, even though it doesn't make sense. I know that God is doing something in me. That's what joy is. Because I know that God is in control and that God is good. And that God is all-powerful. And I don't understand it in a moment, but he is good. He said, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the touching of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider pure joy. When you're going through hard times, Things you don't understand. Things you wish wouldn't happen. Consider joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the touching of your faith is doing something inside you. God is at work. There's purpose in the middle of pain. God is doing something in you. In spite of the storms. In spite of the trials. In spite of bad things that are happening. God is doing something big inside of you. God wants to mature your character. His number one goal in your life is to make you more like his son Jesus. Because he's more concerned about your character than your comfort. Let me say that again. God's number one goal is to make you be more like Jesus Christ. And he'll do whatever it takes because he's more concerned about your character than your comfort. Two quick ways that God grows us in our character. He, he does it through his word. When you spend time in God's word, when you're reading God's word, he can shape you. He can mold you. The more I spend time in it, the more my character is being changed. I become more like Jesus. But the second way that God uses to help us become more like Christ and to grow our character is problem. I mean, I like the first one a lot better. I mean I would rather spend more time in his word and let's not worry about the problem. But God is using problem to chip away the things that are on our lives, He's chipping away the, the things that don't belong. He's chipping away so that we can be more moulded like Jesus Christ. And sometimes, you know, He uses a little, you know, just a little pick. Sometimes He uses a little jackhammer. Can someone testify? Yes. I have had the death camera experience in my life. And it's painful and it hurt, but God is choosing that to chip away the things that don't belong so that I can be more and more like Jesus Christ. Here's my closing thoughts as we finish. You say, God, why? 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 And I hope that you see these four questions. And ask God. And ask yourself a different set of questions. Here's my closing thoughts: You don't have to understand the why to trust in God's purpose. You don't have to understand the why to trust in God's purpose. Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. You don't have to like the plan that God is doing in your life to trust God's purpose. Some of you, you have some very personal, very urgent problems. Some of you, you're praying for somebody that's sick, that you love, and they're not getting better. There are those of you who are grieving because someone that you love has passed away recently. Some of you may be been recently laid off, or perhaps you're about to get laid off, or you're nervous that you might be laid off, and you're wondering how I'm going to get through this. Perhaps there's someone here, you've had migraine headaches, and you've looked for answers everywhere to get rid of your migraine headaches, and nobody seems to have the answers. You've tried all these different treatments, and you've got severe pain all the time. You've prayed and prayed and prayed, and God's never taken them away. You don't understand why. I say you don't have to understand the plan. You don't have to understand the why to still trust God's purpose. God is good. God is good. He is so good. You see, we do not interpret the goodness of God through our circumstances. We interpret our circumstances through the goodness of God. God is good. We believe that. It's always good. God cannot be anything but good. We don't have to understand everything. We don't have to understand the why to continue to trust in God. If you serve God long enough, live long enough, you hit one of those times when it's a man, why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Why is it going and I got it. I don't understand this. And if you're like me, say, God, I don't like this plan. I don't know the plan. What is the plan? Please tell me the plan. I don't understand the plan. And you may ask what the plan is. And God may say, Just trust my purpose. Trust my purpose. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. See, my faith is no longer in my plan. My faith is in God's purpose. My faith is not in my plan. And this is how I like for it to come about. This is how I would like to see it. This is how I think it should happen. But at the end of the day, my faith is not in my plan. My faith is in God's purpose. Because his ways are wiser. His ways are higher, and at the end of the day, I'm here to serve God. I'm here to glorify God with all I have. And one thing I do know, and it's the one thing I know that gives me joy and peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, is that no matter what happens, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I don't have to understand the why. If I can trust and put my faith in God's purpose. God has a plan. But he is good. And it's much better than my plan. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. Although we don't always know why, we know who. We know the answer. And that is you. God, I pray that you will teach us when we go through trials and storms of life. God, teach us what you're trying to show us. Help us to grow in our walk with you. Help us to grow in our character with you. God, help us to grow in our faith in you, not in my plans. God, we don't have to understand the why. Or we may not ever, ever understand it. God, I pray that our faith will grow in you. God, you are good. You are so good. We have been blessed. As child of God, as children of God, we have been so blessed. And although it may not all make sense to you, God, we know at the end of a day, it will. At the end of the day, one day we will see you face to face and all these things in our life will come to pass. And we will see you face to face and we will know that you are a good, good father, a good God who loves us, who takes care of us. And although we don't see and understand God, we should put our faith, not in us, but in you. Not faith in my feelings, but faith in who you are. We thank you, God, that we are so blessed. God, I pray that you sing this last song that we will worship you. The goodness of God, how you have blessed us in so many different ways. We are blessed. More than we can imagine, we are blessed. We thank you for being a good God. A good God, a good father, a good dad. We thank you for who you are. I don't know who people are going through, what they're going through here today, God. God, I pray that today they will give it to you. And trust and you. In my prayer, pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all worship.